bitch out I'm a bad boy for breaking that twat I like horses in America too <clears throat> what's up it's your old chuckle buddy guess who Jonathan James Ramtran reporting live for duty on this magnificent morning 656 in the a.m. Eastern Standard Time on this beautiful June Ninth in the year of our Lord, 2019. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. And I'm free, free falling. <clears throat> if you're new to the show, Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast, I am an actor extraordinaire. This has been up on my mind lately. Um... You know, when I was in theater school, circa 2006, I had just graduated, and I met some, like, uh, theater manager, producer, theater owner, whatever, some kind of theater theatrical guy, right? And he's just like, Jonathan, I thought you were in an audition, and you were very funny, very good. I would love to produce a one-man show with you sometime at my theater company. And I was like, oh word okay that sounds cool so this guy saw me at some audition and he liked my work I was doing like uh characters little monologues that I had written myself so he's seen me and wanted to do um a show with me of my own work produce my my material basically right I was like okay cool that's a great opportunity I was like 20 years old well flash forward a couple months I don't hear from him he said he was going to call me so about a month later, I run into him at Shakespeare in the Park. Now, Shakespeare in the Park is like a, uh, it's unbranded. They have Shakespeare in the Park festivals throughout the world, really, in a lot of cities. It's just, um, you know, theater companies in tradition of Elizabethan uh, Shakespearean era theater, where a lot of it was done outdoors. Um, at least I think so. <laughs> uh, in tradition, they do a lot of Shakespeare in the park. I don't know. It's a, it's a way to do tradition. It's a way to uh, make a fun experience of going to see a theater Shakespeare play. So anyways, I run into this bozo at the fucking um, Shakespeare in the Park Festival. Uh, and this is in Edmonton, Alberta. So I run into him, right? Hi, Jonathan. I'm so sorry. I got so busy and swept up in other things. I've been meaning to call you. Um, well, I'm definitely going to call you. I'm so sorry. I've been busy. Then all, then all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I see this guy that I went to theater school with. And he's just a douchebag. I don't really like this guy. And um, he's basically just sidling up next to me to get into the conversation to kind of be a biter, to be a hanger-on to try to get in with this uh, theater production person, this theater owner, manager, artistic director, whatever this guy's title is, right? So this douchebag that I know from school sidles up. Oh, hi, Jonathan. How's it going? Uh, I didn't know you were here. Oh, hi, so-and-so. And that's just a sneaky little way to get into the conversation, right? So these two are talking. Oh, so nice to meet you. Oh, yeah, it's nice to meet you, too. Oh, yeah, I didn't know you knew Jonathan. I do know Jonathan. Oh, I know Jonathan, too. Huh? So anyway, uh, blah, blah, blah. talking theater shit, right? I'm like, oh, my God. What a bunch of, what a bunch of horse shit, basically. These fake-ass Dr. Seuss, Mother Goose, Cat in the Hat, fake-ass fucking artists, right? So anyways, the theater... Uh, artistic manager, director, guy, whatever. I don't even know what his title. I keep rambling on that, but whatever. That fucking bozo that wanted to produce my show goes, um... Okay, Jonathan, well, I, I, I've been meaning to give you a call. I'm definitely going to give you a call this week. And I'm like, yeah, you do that. 
Then I, then I walked off. And sure as shit, the guy never called. I even wound up calling him because, like I said, it was an opportunity. So I even called his office a couple times. Sorry, um, so-and-so is not available right now. Sorry, Jonathan, try again. So I called a couple times, no answer. And what I learned from that was, sure, there were things within the situation that kind of annoyed me, like just the whole fake show business, blah, 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 rigmarole, you know. Your people call my people, and my people will call your people. Talk to you hasta mañana, or whatever the fuck, right? Like, that whole fucking fakeness of it. But, on the other hand, I was really arrogant, the way I dealt with that guy. I'm going to call you, Jonathan. Yeah, you do that. And I just kind of walked off, right? And all I did was burn a bridge. All I did was throw a good opportunity in the garbage with my arrogant attitude. All I did was let that bozo that I went to uh, fucking theater school with, that other dude, who, that other biter, that hanger-on, you know, that guy who, who uh, sidled his way in there. Oh, hi. Oh, I didn't know you knew Jonathan. I, I went to school with Jonathan. Oh, 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 that idiot. All I did was let him get the best of me, too, in that moment. And, you know, I've been thinking about that because as I go on with my career, I'm starting to notice in life in general, business in general, people's arrogance, people's ego, self-entitled, self-important, self-interested nonsense, that horse shit, in any setting, is a deal breaker, you know? Anybody with any common sense doesn't want to deal with a fucking inflated ego. Feel me? I am also a alcoholic. Uh-oh. Yes. Um, two years and uh, coming up... Uh, in two days, I will be two years and seven months sober. Hallelujah. If you need recovery, go out and get it. It changed my life. I got into a 12-step program, took it day by day. All of a sudden, those days added up. Now, here I am sitting before you. Clear body, clear mind, clean living, clean house, clean underwear. The whole shebang bang baby. Go out there and get it. I am also a janitor. Yeah, so what, I'm a janitor, huh? Sweeping up floors? Huh? Mopping up piss stains? Plunging toilets? Changing compost bins? Sweeping parking lots? Picking up cigarette butts? So what, huh? You want to date a janitor, huh? Too dirty for you, huh? Grimy, not good enough for you, huh? Your mother thought you can do better than this, didn't she? Didn't she? You want the American dream, don't you, honey, huh? PlayStation in every room? Four bedrooms? Huh? Two-car garage? That's what you want, isn't it? Isn't it? No, Jonathan, no, no, stop saying that. I never said that, Jonathan. I love janitors. I think they're sexy. My father was a janitor, Jonathan. Don't do this. You're breaking us apart. I never said this, Jonathan. You got a chip on your shoulder. You're mental. You're delusional. Ah, you, you, you fucking lying bitch. Yeah, so I'm a janitor. Um, very happy to do so. Uh, full-time janitor as of um, two months ago. Thank you, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, thank you. Full-time janitor. Um, it, it facilitates a lot of things in my life. It does. It, it facilitates, number one, my um, recovery. You know? Idle hands are the devil's playground. <laughs> yes. Idle hands are the devil's playground. When you're sitting around twiddling your thumbs, twiddly D, then all of a sudden it's just like, yo, what if? What if? Just a little sip, right? Just a little sip, a little, you know, a little toe. Get your ass up and hurrah. <coughs> you know, all of a sudden, you know, you're playing with fire. So being a full-time janitor gives me the opportunity to have something that I do during the day to focus my time, to make money, to pay for my overhead, which keeps me in the game of acting, you know? I got a job that I go to that doesn't remind me of anything. Doesn't remind me of fuck all. I'm sweeping a floor. I'm changing a garbage bin. I'm plunging a toilet. Oh, somebody shit and clogged this toilet up. Well, well, that's no big deal because I'm thinking about jokes. I'm thinking about 
acting. I'm thinking about performing. I'm thinking about music. I'm thinking about nothing. When people come to me with nonsense, uh, Jonathan, did you remember? Who gives a fuck if I did or didn't? I'll get to it and I'll do it and I'll take responsibility. I'll take responsibility for it. But I'll be a boom, I'll be a fucking monkey's uncle before I fucking sweat it. I'll be a goddamn gorilla's grandfather before I even think about it. What are we talking about here? Are we talking about sweeping a parking lot? Yeah, I'm not going to really think about that too much. Oh, are we talking about uh, mopping a fucking floor? Yeah, I'll mop it, but I'm not going to like, you know, Oh my God, my life depends upon this moment. Like, I could give a fuck less. But I will do it with a smile on my face because that's my job. And it keeps me in recovery and it keeps the overhead expenses of what it takes to be a performer. If you're not just handed shit in life, you got to go out there and get it. This shit costs money, you know? You're listening to this on the internet. I got to pay for my internet bill. I got to pay for the equipment to record this shit. I got to pay for um, the photos that you see on the website when I get headshots taken. I got to pay for the website. The website is a yearly um, payment I got to pay for. Fees, you know? It, It costs money to go out there and get yourself to the next level. So you need an income somehow. If mommy and daddy aren't going to pay for it, who the fuck is? And last of all, I am a stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Yes, I host a show of my own, Our Righteous Mike. It's every second and fourth Thursday of the month in lovely Cabbage Town, downtown Toronto, Cranberry's Restaurant. Yes, I host a show at Cranberry's Restaurant. And um, it's a beautiful little hole in the wall. Great place to go get yourself a nice uh, steak, uh, salmon, butter chicken, naan bread. They cater to like, you know, American cuisine with like the steaks and like the Atlantic salmon and whatever the fuck. And they also have like the South Asian menu with the butter chicken, the naan bread, the garlic shrimp. Ooh, senor, try the butter shrimp, senor. Oh, so succulent. It's a beautiful little hole in the wall. Go there, have a nice bite, have a couple laughs, guffaws, couple chuckles. Um, I got a lot of comics from the Toronto area. Yes, I got a lot of Toronto. I got a lot of Toronto comics. I got a lot, of, a lot of Canadian comics. People reach out to me from different places. Hey, I'm gonna be in town. Can I stop by and do a set? No problem. Come on down. It's a great little place. Cranberry's restaurant. Yes. And I'm there, um, like I said, every second and fourth Thursday of the month. Come out and see me. We'd love to have you. And I was thinking also about um, stand-up comedy in the vein of uh, some of the insight I brought to the beginning of the podcast with the um, acting uh, lessons from days past. You know, I'm thinking back to, um, I was like maybe a year or two into comedy at the time. I'm 11 years a stand-up comedian today. But at the time, I was like two years a stand-up comedian. Something like that, a year and a half, two years. And I entered this uh, comedy contest at a bar. And, um, you know, I remember uh, there wasn't nothing special to it. It was just a bunch of comics. It was a comedy competition. There was a $200 first place. And um, I was pretty confident I was going to win it. And sure as shit, I won it. I won the $200. And um, when I think back to what I did, I mean, it was, uh, I was just the best of the night. I don't think what I did was exceptionally well. I mean, it was just the best of the night, I guess. I don't know. The crowd was on my side. So I get this $200 and I, um, you know, I'm, I'm drunk. You know, it was back in my drinking days. So I'm drunk and shit. And I go to one of the comics. Yo, yo, be my cab tonight. Take me home. I'll give you 20 bucks. And one of the other comics, he's like, no, man, I don't want to drive you home. Fuck that. I'm like, yo, just drive me home, bro. I'm drunk. You know, I'll, I'll give you 20 bucks. He's like, oh, fuck. And he drove me home. And I paid him. And I went to bed. And I woke up the next morning. And I didn't think anything of it. And, uh... Conversely, I entered a comedy competition um, probably that same year when I was doing stand-up comedy, about two years. Conversely, I entered a comedy, uh, a comedy competition, and I lost that comedy competition. It was a rigged show anyways. They had this thing called a laugh-o-meter. And that sounds pretty fucking sketchy to you, too. Well, it sounded sketchy to me, too. 
a fucking laugh-o-meter. It's like this fucking kind of like a like one of those fucking like like a barometer or like a you know like a, a temperature gauge thing. It was like, well, we'll see how much the audience is laughing at the next comic, and that's gonna gauge who wins the comedy competition, right? So it's like, well, well, let's go to the laugh-o-meter. <laughs> And they look at the fucking laugh-o-meter and it's like fluctuating and shit. I'm like, a fucking laugh-o-meter? You're going to judge my fucking comedy on a fucking laugh-o... What? I'm, 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 I'm fucking beside myself, right? I'm looking at this fucking laugh-o-meter. It's, it's like fluctuating left and right. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, we got your winner for the comedy competition. It's so-and-so. Give it up to the laugh-o-meter. I'm like, oh my God, right? So I... I got fucking edged out of this comedy competition due to this wonky fucking laugh-o-meter. And I remember afterwards, all the comics were sitting at the bar and were talking and shit. And I was just a bitch. I was just, you know, well, fuck that. Everybody knows I'm funnier than you fucking idiots. And what the fuck? How could I have lost this competition? It's complete bullshit. And I was a sore loser. And some of the comics were like, yo, John, like, that's just how it is. Sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. Like, I don't, what the fuck, man? Like, hey, we're all fighting the same fight. Like, what do you want us to say? And I'm like, well, whatever. What the fuck? I'm funnier than you idiots. Like, of course. And I was so ungracious. I was so arrogant. And, and then the, and then, in the first example as well, when I won the comedy competition, I was arrogant. When I lost the comedy competition, I was arrogant. When that theater director uh, reached out to produce my show, and I met his request with arrogance. There was such an arrogance in my younger days, I notice. I never fucked with nobody. I never fucked anybody over. If I saw a talented person, I was very open to know a talented person. I would rather have a talented friend in the game than an untalented one. It's like, why do I want to hang out with somebody who is untalented? I'd rather hang out with somebody talented. So I was never like... I was never competitive that way, where it's like, I'm the only one who could be funny, or I'm the only one who could be talented. Like, I liked to be around other talented performers, but I had an arrogance. And like I said, I woke up the morning of both those comedy competitions, the next day after my arrogant behavior, the next day after I buzzed off that fucking theater director, and it didn't even hit me. Like, yo, man, like, you got to be more professional when you deal with people can't just manhandle people and talk arrogantly to them and be so self-absorbed, self-interested, self-important, self-entitled. And here I am, 18 years an actor, 11 years a stand-up comedian, two and a half years of sobriety, soon to be two and seven months of sobriety, and, um, you know, <laughs> full-time janitor. And... It's finally come around where it's like, you know, I've let my hair down. I'm, you know, I have my moments when I pop up with the ego. You know, I have my moments when the, it's usually if I feel like I'm being imposed upon. Because these days I don't really seek conflict. I'm not seeking, I don't seek anything other than to be myself. I'm not looking to get into people's business. I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I just take things as they come and... You know, I'm just very happy that I've actually had the opportunity to take assessment of some of the things that have been going on with me, man. Some people live a lifetime of stupidity. You ever see that person just 60 years old and they're just, oh, fuck you and listen to me. and I got something to say. This is my opinion. You're like, holy fuck, have you been really walking this earth for the last 60 years as a complete moron? Like, when are you going to grow up? So those are the things that hit it. Jonathan Ramtran, actor, janitor, alcoholic, comedian. Welcome to the show. Breaking news on Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast. Breaking news on Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast. No, it's not really breaking news. It's actually old news, but um, it's to harken back to a previous episode. Um, there was a bit of a kerfuffle regarding the Canadian government and the Philippine Filipino government, Philippines government. Um, 69 
containers, shipment containers, filled with household rotted garbage, baby diapers, condoms, broken glass, shit like that, was shipped to the Philippines six years ago. And the Filipino people have spoken. We are tired of the garbage. Prime Minister Trudeau, listen. We are sick to death of the garbage. You got to do something about the garbage. Well, after six years of um, bureaucracy, filibustering, that's all, folks. After six years of that horse shit, justice for fucking the Filipino people. Uh, Yeah, those containers have been shipped back to Canada. For the taxpayer to deal with, like all fucking uh, government bullshit, it always comes down to the fucking taxpayer to fucking deal with. <laughs> but um, according to this article here, um, this is off the CBC website, cbc.ca. Fights over mislabeled Canadian trash have been going on for six years. 69 shipping containers of fetid trash are on their way back to Canada after being loaded onto a container ship in the Philippines port of Subic. The last container was put aboard the MV Bavaria shortly after 3 a.m. Friday in the Philippines. I don't know when this article was written, but it was like about a week ago or something. Earlier in the day, Philippines Foreign Secretary Teddy Loskin posted video and photos on his Twitter account showing the containers being loaded onto the ship. Going, going, he said in one tweet. Going, 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 the Filipino people, going. The ship departed for Vancouver from the Philippine port after dawn, Friday. Canada has previously said it expected the garbage to be back on Canadian soil by the end of June. Canadian officials from the embassy in Manila monitored the loading. A Canadian official confirmed the ship was hired under a $1.14 million contract, million dollar contract, Canada signed with the Canadian arm of French shipping giant Bollard Logistics to bring the garbage back to Canada. He said the containers were fumigated and cleaned before being loaded. So yeah, basically uh, the garbage has been shipped back to Canada. There's a $1.14 million uh, debt to the Canadian uh, fucking taxpayer, apparently. Blah, blah, blah. Well, it is our garbage. And um, whatever, we have to deal with it. You can't be shipping garbage to a developing nation. That's kind of fucking, come on, people. It's fucked up. And um, one thing I've noticed as a janitor, like I mentioned, there's something in this very entitled society of North America where people truly believe that their garbage is somebody else's problem. I can't tell you how many times I witnessed people pissing on the floor, throwing napkins on the floor, you know, oh, this is a pop bottle. Should I put it in the recycle or the garbage? Ah, fuck it. I'll just throw it in whatever bin. Like, people really think it's other people's business to deal with their garbage. That's why we have such an environmental crisis. You can call it a crisis, sure. You know, global warming, greenhouse gases, the environment, you know? And... You know, I don't want to fucking fear monger here, but it's a world we live in, a world, our world, and we got to leave it clean for the future. It just makes sense. You know what I mean? And uh, that story kind of touched me because it was just so disgusting, you know, like 69 shipment containers. You know, like those big, long, like, trailers, basically, like a, like a, tra- like, you know, like, you know, like the back of a, of a, what do you call it? I'm assuming it's like, um, you know, like when you see a delivery trailer to a grocery store and a big, those big, long uh, semi-trucks, those containers, 69 of those were shipped with fetid garbage to the fucking Philippines, filled with, um, like I said, baby diapers, condoms, uh, fucking garbage wrappers, McDonald's wrappers, household trash. Oh, deal with this, Philippines, whatever. And, you know, I just kind of, that story touched me because it was just, no, it was gross. And we dealt with it, thankfully, after six years. Like, holy fuck. I mean, it's pretty shameful of our country, really.
because it's all just bureaucracy. But a lot of it came to as well. Like um, there was a there was a the shipping company that shipped it to the Philippines to begin with. They were a company called um, what were they called? They had some kind of drug name. It was like Kush or what was the fuck? What was it called? Who gives a shit? But anyways, they were like some company that has now been bankrupt. So it was some bankrupt company. The government of Canada was trying to hold this company accountable for it. It wasn't like the the government of Canada shipped it or whatever. It was like this company, a Canadian company, which is now bankrupt. They shipped it to the Philippines. So now it's like, well, who's going to pay for the return? It's not, you know. But I think Canada should have stepped up way sooner. Way sooner. What an ugly look as a fucking prosperous nation that we are, that we can't fork over a measly $1.14 million collectively to get rid of that garbage from a developing country. Someone had to pay for it. Someone had to do it. It was going to be us in the end anyways. See, it was us in the end anyways, but we dragged it on for six years for whatever fucking reason. This is the first I even heard of it was like two weeks ago once the problem became dealt with. And the only reason why I think we heard of it is because the Filipino people took it to where they took it. Took it to Facebook. Took it to fucking um, social media. You know? They, sh- they, they shamed us on an international level by tweeting and social mediaing about it. And it shamed us to the point where it's like, okay, now we'll take care of the problem. But, until that, but, uh, but, but up until that point, who gave a fuck? Right? The mindset of the North American... We're entitled. Yeah, somebody else's issue to clean up our garbage. My standard of living is so great. Fuck, I'm telling you right now, as a garbage man, as a janitor, I throw out dozens of garbage bags daily. Daily. Daily full trash bags of just stupid garbage. Somebody went to Tim Hortons. Somebody went to fucking McDonald's. Oh, this, that. Garbage, 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 needless garbage. You know, I have recyclable, reusable um, Tupperware and coffee mug. I do my best to lower my carbon footprint. I'm a martyr. I'm better than you is what I'm saying. (laughs) But like, it's just disgusting. Just disgusting the amount of waste, you know? Take a look at your own life. Aren't you opening packages, throwing things in the garbage constantly? It's all we do is just throw shit in the garbage. Buy shit, throw out shit. Buy shit, throw out shit. That's all we fucking do. Speaking of which, I'm drinking from a plastic bottle right now. Fuck you. Ah, you gotta love that Nestle Pure Life uh, sparkling water. I'm not gonna give up my sparkling water for the environment. Fuck off and die, tree. Fuck, all the trees can suck my cock right now. I'm, I'm continuing to drink this um, plastic bottled water from Nestle, Pure Life, carbonated water. I don't give a fuck if a sparrow drop is dead at my doorstep. I'm drinking this shit. It's good. Fuck the environment. <clears throat> anyway, all's well that ends well. God bless you, Philippines. The Filipino people have spoken. Uh, what else is going on? Happy Pride Month. Yes, happy Pride Month, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Big shout out to all my LGBTQT listeners. Uh, Hope I said that correctly. Transgender people who identify in that world. Happy Pride Month. It's a great time of year for people to get up, be prideful in who they are, to celebrate with their community, with their friends and their family, and going forward, all the best to that community. However, <laughs> but, um, and this is something you're going to have to speak to me about if you're listening out there. Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Talk to me about this because I've come to the point where I saw something at work that it made me really say, you know what? It's time for me to drop the facade. Because for years, I just say, like, oh, yeah, 
happy Pride Month, I celebrate Pride Month, whatever, da-da-da. But as a straight man, the truth is, I'm not interested. You know, like, it's a, it's a celebration celebrating gay pride, gay lifestyle, and that's a lifestyle that I don't engage with. So I'm happy that they have a place and the opportunity to celebrate and feel themselves and feel accepted in community, in society. But it's not something I celebrate. And I have no interest in it. I was at work the other day and um, uh, I'm pushing my little janitor buggy, my little janitor buggy, pushing my little janitor buggy. And all of a sudden there's these, there's this like big uh, rainbow, like, you know, like they made all these rainbow balloon animals and shit or not rainbow balloon animals, but like, they, you know, you know, like when a clown, when a clown like blows up a, one of those long condom balloons and like twists it into a shape. So there was like all these long multicolored rainbow condom balloons. They weren't actually condoms. They may have been. I don't know. It was gay pride month after a while, after all. But um, it was like these condom shaped balloons twisted into a rainbow. And it made like a big archway, like a doorway arch, like a big rainbow arch balloon thing. Like one of those little fun gyms. You know those little fun gyms that toddlers jump around on? It was like a fun gym, rainbow, multicolored fun gym or whatever, entranceway, doorway thing. It was like a decoration. If I'm sounding weird describing it, it's because it was kind of, well, actually it really wasn't that weird. Just think of a big balloon animal. I'm talking about balloons here, people. Balloons. Anyways, there was a bunch of these rainbow-colored balloons, and these two um, allegedly gay men, and they're just like, Happy Pride Month! And they're handing out these stickers and shit. And I'm just like, in the workplace? In the workplace? Really? Like, um, no, I don't really want to celebrate gay sex at work. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, what? And that's when it hit me. Like, you know what? Where I, just so I can make sense of things. I just got to be as honest as I can. Is that not too much? It's like, have your parade. Have the community awareness. I even believe in having um, the gay discussion at school. Like, um, gay discussion as a part of, like, um, like, homosexual lifestyle being discussed in like sex ed, because there's a lot of kids who know, like I've, I've talking, I've talked with some gay people and they've said like, you know, I've asked them, I've asked gay people, gay friends, colleagues, whatever. I've asked like, how did you know you were gay? And they'd said, well, you know, I just knew ever since I was like, you know, when I was 12 or whatever, when I was hitting puberty, I, you know, I, I felt myself attracted to the same sex. They just know when they're, you know, going through puberty. They're born that way. Baby, you're born that way. So I even believe that it should be taught as a part of, you know, the sex ed curriculum, which is, uh, that's a whole other story. There's been some issues with the sex ed curriculum in Ontario. The short funding of it, the lack of um, certain subject matter. But I personally believe that it should be taught. That way people are educated you know, as they're young, that, hey, you know, this is the way you are, that's another part of sexuality. So I'm not against the discussion of it. I'm not against the appreciation of it. It's just that, isn't there a time and place? And isn't it a bit much to assume that people should want to celebrate a sexual lifestyle? It's a bit much to assume that people would want to celebrate like, for example, uh, like cultural things. Happy Black History Month. Happy Spanish History Month. Happy Asian History Month. Um, happy, or like, oh, we're going to celebrate. Or like, you know, um, because we're women. Happy Women's March or whatever. Or um, Father's Day or, you know, Manhood March, whatever. Like, things that aren't associated with sexuality aren't 
as awkward because it's like, yo, you just have to respect people. You know what I mean? Like, you got to respect the fact that somebody is a woman. You got to respect, respect the fact that somebody is um, a man or um, disabled or stuff like that. But like sex, sex is a very intimate thing. It's a very personal, intimate thing. It's not on the sleeve. You know what I mean? It's not, it's, it's a very personal area. And that's something that you should go to, not be forced upon, obviously. So it's like, yo, if you want to go to a gay pride march, go to a gay pride march. There's the opportunity. But to like show up at somebody's work and be like, happy gay pride and hand me a fucking sticker. It's like, yo, what the fuck am I celebrating? (laughs) Like, seriously. Gay sex? You're telling me to celebrate gay sex? No, gay pride. Okay, so being pride and having gay sexual relations. Well, no, it's like pride for being a gay person. So being prideful for a gay sexual lifestyle, I'm supposed to help sell what? Why should I be interested in your sexuality? I'm not. It's not something I can celebrate. Like I could celebrate you as a person, you're human, you know what I mean? But hey, I don't know. You tell me, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. It's dicey because it's like, I can't celebrate it. And I have, a, like, for example, I have a hard time celebrating anything really. <laughs> That's the cynic in me. I'm not, I don't celebrate shit. Birthdays, nothing, you know, like Black History Month. Uh, I like that just because it's, you know, <laughs> I'm black. You know, I'm biased. I'm, bi- I'm black and I'm biased, all right? I like Black History Month. Fuck off. But, um, you know, I don't know. And, I, you know, they, they say that, they say that, okay, well, it's more like an awareness thing. You're not actually celebrating gay sex. It's, you're, you're celebrating the awareness of the gay culture and the strength and unity in their progress. Yeah, but it's not reflected in that march. And I, I know you can't hold all accountable for that march, but if you ever attended or been proxy to a gay march, it's not something you want to be at if you're not gay. Even if you are gay and you have some sense of dignity, <laughs> it's something that you might not want to be at because it is, it's a hedonistic, voyeuristic, weirdo spectac- spectacle. It, that's what it is. Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Am I ignorant? Hit me up. Is that not what it is? I've seen gay marches. Naked men. Just like Doug Ford described. <laughs> Mayor Doug Ford, or pre-Mayor Doug Ford. He described the gay march as a bunch of middle-aged men with pot bellies naked running around. Yeah, that's a good description. It's weird. It's weird. It's not family fair. If you take your child to a gay march... You're an idiot because they're going to be seeing some very disturbing images. Unless there's been some cleanup of it since I've been. I haven't been to a gay march in, uh, I don't know, a dog's age. (laughs) Who fucking knows when. But, uh, you know, I don't know. Just weird to me. It's weird. Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Am I ignorant? I'm handling dynamite here, ladies and gentlemen. And don't get all touchy. You know, like I said, you know, I, I respect the gay community. And um, I want nothing but, you know, it, it would make me very sad to know a person couldn't be happy in life. You know? On the comedy front, things are looking good. Our Righteous Mike, the show that I host, the show that I plugged earlier in this episode, we got a show this Thursday, June 13th at Cranberry's Restaurant, 601 Parliament Street, Cabbage Town, Toronto, 
8 p.m. Show details on my website, jonathan-ramtran forward slash shows. If you live in the area, come out and see us. We'd love to have you. It's going to be a good one. Got a bunch of local comics on the bill. And, you know, that's a show that I do bi-weekly, every second and fourth Thursday of the month. So, if you're in the area, you got the chance, come out and see us. Um, to harken back to something I was speaking on earlier in the podcast, the arrogance of uh, the business world, the arrogance of life, because I don't want to delegate that uh, or relegate that trait to the performer. As if, oh, the performing mind is so arrogant. Oh, the actor. Oh, the what? Fuck, you, you see arrogant janitors. For example, I was at work uh, this past, uh, this past uh, week. And like I told you, um, it's the gay pride uh, season. Uh, Tis the season. And um, <laughs> at the front steps of my work, um, a beautiful thing that my, my work did in celebration of Pride Month, they 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 draped like a rainbow, um, what, you, what would you call it? I don't know. Like It's like an installation art piece, like this big rainbow covering. It's like a tinfoil rainbow covering. Best way I can describe it, kind of like a, kind of like, a, I don't know, like wallpaper. Imagine rolling out a bunch of a rainbow-colored wallpaper on the floor. Like a, a bunch of rainbow... Like a rainbow flooring? Is that what you call it? I don't know. Rainbow flooring. They rolled out this rainbow flooring over the front steps of our building. And it was a great way to celebrate Pride. And we were... We, as the janitors, we were called with our little janitor mop buckets. <laughs> Had to push our little janitor mop buckets. And go mop the front steps. <laughs> Mopping up the fucking uh, rainbow flooring. Well, one of our one of our janitors, um, he's actually a gay man, oddly enough. So what? I'm not going. I'm not going to go mop the front steps. No, I I not go mop the front steps. No, I not mop. I not mop the front steps. No. It's like, yo, you're a gay janitor. Like, shouldn't you be, like, over the moon to go fucking mop these front steps? No, no, I don't. That's not my job. No, no. The arrogance. The arrogance of it's not his job. What do you mean it's not your job? You're a fucking janitor, buddy. I'm a janitor. You're a janitor. Let's go mop these fucking steps. What do you mean it's not your job? What is your job, then, if you're... if. If it's anybody's fucking job, it's definitely your job. You are a janitor. A gay janitor at that. Go mop the fucking pride steps. No, no, I not mop the fucking steps. No, no. <laughs> so, um, you know, I don't want to relegate um, arrogance to just the performer. You see it in the janitorial custodial trade. You see it in aviation. You see it in um, technology. You see it in um, culinary, uh, hospital, uh, banquet, bank. You know, whatever fucking job sector you work in, you're going to find arrogance. And um, anyways, I was dealing with some of that this week, booking the show, Our Righteous Mike. Yeah. A lot of arrogance. Um, as I mentioned, when I was a younger performer, I had some arrogance and uh, it wound up biting me in the ass and I learned from it. I matured. I grew. Now that I'm hosting a show of my own and I'm booking acts, it's kind of funny because I, I run my show like an open door policy. Basically, I put out a ad on Facebook, social media. I say, hey, I'm looking for comics. If you'd like to do the show, hit me up and you can do the show. Now, that's very unheard of in the comedy community. In the comedy community. It's not that it's unheard of, but it's rare. Because people, like I mentioned, are self-important. Self-absorbed. I'm the king of my own world. So what do people usually do? They usually think for themselves act for themselves, which I'm doing too, 
but with a little bit of benevolence as well. Don't get me wrong, I host a show so that I can do for myself, and I need comics to do my show so the show can continue to grow. But I give a great opportunity. I say, hey, come do my show. You can do some real time, no little five-minute sets. You can do a 15-minute set on my stage, and you don't have to jump through a hoop. You don't have to send me a fucking demo reel or like a little clip of you performing. You don't have to kiss my ass. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. If you want to do the show, reach out to me. You can do the show. Most shows in town, you got to kiss the fucking promoter's ass. You got to get on a waiting list for six months. You got to jump through this hoop and that hoop. And for what? It's a shitty independent show that they're producing. Yet they want you to kiss their ass as if they're God. Right? Well, I don't do that. I just let them on, right? Well, um, even in that, even in the benevolence of giving an opportunity, which granted, it's not just a free opportunity, I benefit as well, but saying that, giving an opportunity, man, it's strange. Actually, it's not even strange. It's common. It's par for the course. It's, it's funny, the arrogance that you're met with. They reach out to me for a spot on my show. I reach back to them. Hey, thank you for your interest in my show. Are you available for this time? Yes, I'm available. Oh. Oh, wow. Thank you for doing me a favor. These curt little smug, backhanded little fucking uh, remarks via text message, you know? I don't know if I'm free that night. I am free that night. I'm not free that night. Oh, um, I'm here, I'm there. Like, you know, they can't just say thank you. Thank you for booking me. There's like an arrogance involved. And yes, I know. Um, it's all via text message. Text messages are um, open to interpretation. But yo, just hit, hit me up with this, just these two points. Say thank you, and yes, you're available. That's all you have to hit me with. Yes, I'm available for the show. Thank you. Okay. A lot of comics can't do that. Sure. What time? Yeah. Where is it? Okay, I can do it. As if they're doing me a fucking favor. Smug little remarks like that. Now, granted, I don't want to go down the negative rabbit hole and start focusing on that. There's been a lot of cool ones that give the right answer. Hey, Jonathan, thank you. I'd like to do your show. What time is it at? Okay. You said thank you and you wanted to do the show. They didn't kiss my ass. They didn't jump through a hoop. Just they were decent, normal people. And I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, do the show. It's at this time. And um, anyways, that comes down to learning boundaries is what I'm finding because Sometimes I feel guilty if I don't put a performer on because of that. I say to myself, am I being self-absorbed? Am I being self-important? Should I be reading too much into this? Well, my 18 years as uh, my 18 years of acting, my 11 years of stand-up comedy has taught me a few things, and when you start to read and smell arrogance, yeah, that's arrogance. Because um, every time I've booked a comic that had a bit of a whiff of arrogance to them, self-important, self-entitled, ego, every time I've booked a comic that had that kind of whiff, sure shit, they show up. Smug. Mm, eh, eh, I'm this, I'm that. Eh, mm, eh. It's like, yo, dude, I don't need to fucking know you. Fuck off. There's the fucking door. You're not doing me any fucking favors, and I don't want to know you on any fucking level. I've been through a lifetime of fucking failure myself, fucking shitty friends, shitty people, shitty attitude, shitty bullshit shit that I fucking shitted on, shit that I do. I've been through enough of that that I don't need or have room for another shitty person in my fucking life. There's the door, boss. Fuck off. So, um, <laughs> I've been learning that this week because I'm starting to vet. Vet. Because, you know, I, like I said, I was an open door policy just booking whoever. 
And sure as shit, it bit me in the ass. You get the asshole, the stupid person, the whatever. And now it's like, yo, like, basically, I just kind of gauge it by their response. They just got to do a couple things. Just be decent. Just hit me up with a decent reply and you can have the spot. As soon as I get a whiff of arrogance and ignorance and little dude, little little, buddy, fuck off. Like, I need to know you. And it's a blessing. It's a learning curve, right? I'm starting to learn how to do that myself because I haven't always been, as I mentioned, the most uh, humble person. (laughs) And uh, I guess that's just coming with age and time and wisdom and experience. Things you can't buy. So there you have it. Uh, On the working out front, um, as I mentioned, I've been working out a lot. Um, actually, no, I haven't. I mean, over the last couple years, I've been working out regularly, fairly. I got myself into good shape. So now I'm in good shape. And, um, that means for me, you know, I can do push-ups, I can do sit-ups, I can go for a run. My body works, I'm healthy. Um, but I've been getting bored lately. I've been getting bored lately with my routine. I'm like, I just do like... Three sets of 25 push-ups, you know, I do three sets of 30 sit-ups, skip rope for a half an hour, run around. But lately I'm like, you know what, I got to start being more, you know, see where I could take my fitness. See if I could take it to the next level. Because I don't, I don't know, I get bored. Do you ever do that? Like, when you're working out, my my mind just drifts. I'm like, oh my God, I'm just like hot and sweaty and uncomfortable and bored. Like, when is this workout going to be done? I want to go sit on the couch. <laughs> like, I get begrudging with my working out, man. And that's what happened. I came to this point where it's like, okay, I'm in good shape now. What if I become in great shape? To get to that next level, i got to really start watching the diet, really upping the intensity of my workouts, changing it up, throwing in different things. I want to start taking maybe um, kickboxing and, uh, you know, some martial arts or something just to have, you know, just uh, something to change up my workout routines because it's been getting flat. But you know what? I'm inspired again. I'm inspired again, you know. Um, I've been, I was getting a little, I felt a little bloated, felt like, you know, that that bloated feeling when you're like, you know, you you just need to really, you know, I don't know, take a big dump or like (laughs) sweat it out or whatever the fuck it is. I was getting that bloated feeling the last couple of weeks because I've been eating like, um, potatoes, like French fried potatoes. Like I buy a bag of like McCain frozen fries, which is better than like deep fried fries, I guess. But I've been eating a lot of like baked home fries, and uh, just, I've been being slack on my workout, but lately I've been back at it, back at it. This morning I went up and did a jog, 6 a.m. this morning, I got up, went and did a jog outside, my voice is feeling a little raspy, a little raspy feeling to my voice for that, but um, it's all good, and uh, that's the next thing, to up the up the intensity, change out the different types of workout and see where I could take my body to the next level because I think I've been plateauing. You know, if you don't push and motivate yourself, you just get bored, you get stagnant. You're just doing the same shit over and over again. So that's kind of the point I think I've gotten to where it's like, okay, I'm in good shape. My workouts are like kind of maintenance. You know, it's like, oh, I do my 25 push-ups, I do three sets of those and then I do my little sit-ups then I do my jogging, and then I do my skipping rope, and but it's not really pushing me. So now I've got to up the intensity and see how, you know, maybe I can get ripped. You know, maybe it's time to just really shoot for the stars and get ripped. You know, scare a motherfucker. Oh my God, look at that guy. He's ripped. Yeah, fuck you looking at. <sighs> so yeah, maybe that's the next step. Um, what else? Oh yeah, today I got a few things to do. Got to dip down to um, to Staples. You know Staples, the fucking um, what do you call that stationery store? 
Got to get a couple flyers printed up for uh, the comedy show, Our Righteous Mike. Um, I got this new stand, so I can, um, it's like a, what they call it, like a tent stand for like advertising. Oh, show in progress. People come see the show or whatever, right? So got that to do today. Get outside, do a little walking, do a little writing, keep myself occupied. Um, I guess it's all coming down to the idea of self-discipline. You know, I'm seeing all these things that I'm getting better at. You know, I'm starting to take more account of my behaviors that's been really a journey the last two and a half years of my sobriety, just really taking accountability of my behaviors, um, taking accountability of my health, my diet, my exercise, taking accountability of my performing. And it's that self-discipline. It's that self-discipline that I'm looking to reinvest in because I've been doing very good but now I'm seeing that I want to go to the next level. And the next level is, you know, a lot more demanding. Whenever you change levels, it's, it's demanding, right? Because a part of me just wants to say good enough. Like, you know when you do a homework? You know when you do a homework assignment and you're like, okay, well, that's like a 75%. That's like a 70%, whatever, good enough. That's kind of where I'm at right now. I've been doing a lot of things, and I'm like, okay, well, good enough. Well, no. No, let's go to 100. Let's take it to 110%. Let's see what the fuck I can really do. Because, like, I'm in the drop zone, you know? My body's in great shape now. And it's like, well, why not take it to that next level of being in amazing shape, you know? Why not? It's within my reach. You know, I went from being like, 30 pounds overweight, chain-smoking, bloated, fucking alcoholic to two years, seven months of sobriety, slimmed down 30 pounds, working out regularly, no more smoking, feeling good, looking good for myself. Why not take it to the next level? Why not see how really... uh, intense I can make my fitness? Because I'm not like, you know, I could... Why not? It's within my reach. I'm in good shape now. Why not use that to become in great shape? Amazing shape. Why not? What the fuck? It's my life, right? We got one life. (laughs) So they say, I believe in reincarnation. I think I was a squirrel at one point. You know, I eat peanuts all the time. That's another part of my diet problem. I've been eating bags and bags of peanuts and you put on weight. There's a lot of fat in peanuts, even though it's healthy fat low cholesterol, good for you protein, but like anything, too much of a good thing is a bad thing. So I'll eat like fucking, you know, four kilograms of peanuts in a fucking week because I think I was a squirrel in a previous life. Seriously, these are the thoughts I have. But anyway, that's the sound of a squirrel. Have you ever seen a squirrel in a tree? But anyway, it's like, why not try to become in an amazing shape? Why not try to take the performing to a higher level, you know? Why not take my personal relationships to a better level? Be more accountable and thoughtful in my actions and words. Why not? And uh, so that's the goal, really, the self-discipline. Because it's easy to just flop back and just say, fuck it. (laughs) Good enough. 70%? Oh, yeah, good enough. 60%? Good enough. 50%? Well, I'm not happy. (laughs) But I'm not in pain, so, okay, 50%. 40%? Uh, well, at least I tried. <laughs> 30%? Oh, I'm a piece of shit. I'll never get it. 20%? Oh, I'm going to kill myself. 10%? Well, this is it. Bullet in the head. But, uh, no. We got to try. We got to try. And, uh, I don't know. Um... Going into the next week, um, like I said, just keep the diet better, the exercise. And uh, I got a couple things up my sleeve. Tonight I'm going to go and do some stand-up comedy. That's always fun, a fun little blessing. 
tell a couple jokes on the microphone, work on a couple new chuckles, a couple guffaws. Going into next week, keep strong on the diet, eating, exercise, and um, all in a day's work, baby. All in a day's work. It's your old chuckle buddy, guess who? Jonathan James Ramtran, reporting live for duty on this magnificent June 9th in the year of our Lord, 2019. If you have any questions, queries, or qualms about the uh, subject matter on this episode, hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Till next time, ladies and gentlemen, you live it, you love it, you realize it. All right? Peace. Thank <laughs> you.